house of Abraham, yea, shall be made free. John 8, 3, 6, to whom the Son set free, is free indeed. He say the wretch like me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome back to another episode of 54 Yards. I'm here with Cam, the co-host of the show, and I'm filling in for Carlos Mejica tonight. This is episode 13 of season two. Yes. Lucky 13. Shout out Taylor Swift. Lucky 13, apartment 13, building 13, 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't give your... I mean, everyone beep. knows. Everyone, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we don't have to disclose the yeah. address. Yeah. They'll know <laughs> one day. Um, yeah. What a weekend of college football. We have quite a slate of things to cover. Yes. I'm excited to be back for my third episode in front of the camera. And yeah. uh, Carlos is actually in Houston right now. By the time this airs, we will know which Texas team will be playing in the World Series. Mm -hmm. Really hoping it's my Rangers. Um, also Same. who he's there Going cheering for. Going for the Rangers for. too, myself. No one's cheering for Houston other <laughs> than the people that live there. So, um, but... I hope I don't look like a fool sitting here when this releases on Wednesday. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, super excited again to have Kat as well on the podcast. She always kills these. Uh, some of our highest viewed episodes, obviously the fan base seems to like these episodes. But we're going to talk about, which was uh, interesting, I'd say the least uh, week of college football. There was a lot of um, close games and uh, even a few teams got upset. And now kind of we're starting to see. Uh, why November is one of the most important months for college football because that's where the big time games are being played and that's also where teams are if you drop a game it's kind of do or die territory um, without further ado we're gonna jump into it with we got a little overview of what we're gonna talk about today we're gonna talk about uh, the Texas Houston recap Oklahoma UCF recap we're gonna talk about previews of the Oklahoma versus Kansas game uh, Texas versus BYU we're gonna talk about our bars of the week to highlight their highlights we have some talking points from uh, some stuff I've seen on Twitter. Haven't seen any community questions yet. Maybe I'll see some when I check as we're talking throughout the episodes, but nothing thus far. Uh, notable games recap of week seven, go through the AP poll, and then we also have our notable games of week nine to, to round it all off. So with that being said, I will go jumping. Wildcat preps for Texas, I'll jump into Oklahoma. Um, we just recently played UCF. The final was... I think it was 32 to 29 or 31 to 29 we won by two points um game was very stressful too way too stressful for me honestly uh it was a uh basically a real personal game for dylan gabriel and jeff levy um if you guys don't know dylan gabriel was previously the quarterback at central florida until he ended up transferring and uh, uh coach levy was also the offensive coordinator at uh, ucf when dylan was there and a lot of a lot of fans and players i forgot about that yeah a lot of fans and players believed that Jeff Levy should have been the head coach when um, Josh Heupel left to go to Tennessee. Mm. Um, and that's the crazy thing. Like, real little quick tidbit, like UCF has had some really good coaches. Scott Frost, yeah. uh, Josh Heupel, and uh, uh, now uh, Gus Malzahn. Pretty uh, good so program. Like, pretty good program. Yeah. And uh, I also think they're going to be really good in a couple years uh, once they start really uh, reaping the benefits of being able to recruit in a Power Five in a state like Florida. Um, okay, Sorry. lit, lit. We love it. We love it. Okay. Go Rangers! Just hit a bomb on the board early. One First pitch of the game. It looks like that's how you First shut them few. up. But um, anyways, yeah. Uh, Jeff Levy, 
uh, you know, it was a personal game for them. Uh, a lot of people felt like he should have been the head coach, but they ended up hiring Gus Malzahn, who I think is a fantastic football coach. Um, his his uh, run game principles is uh, primarily option-based, runs the ball well. I think UCF at the time of this game was like the third or f- – I think they were top five in rushing offense in the country. So very explosive running game. They had John Rice Plumley back as well, a very explosive quarterback. And, you know, for me, it was a game that I, you know – was curious to see. Obviously, uh, Oklahoma beats Texas in the Red River game, and then with the bye week after, that's kind of just been the talk from the fan bases because there's really nothing to talk about until these teams play again. And Oklahoma, go out there, defense, gets a three and out, you know, plays very good. Offense has a three and out themselves, kind of like what I don't like about the tempo with Oklahoma a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Defense goes again, another three and out. Offense again, struggles again to move the ball. Defense, another three and out. Then offense moves the ball, and then we um, miss a field goal, you know. Then the defense gets another stop. Then the offense finally goes down there and scores. Then the defense gets another stop. Then the offense misses another field goal. So what makes me mad about this game is the defense played well. And, yes, they gave up 29 points on, on, on offense. But when you get four straight stops to start the game and your offense can't move the ball, and when they did, they missed two field goals, really should have been a 13-0. When I look at that as a team, you have to put the pressure on these teams. You have to – I'm not saying you need to score a touchdown on four straight possessions, but if you can get, you know, two touchdowns or three touchdowns or you score on every possession, maybe you kick a couple field goals and a couple touchdowns. Like, you got to put the pressure on this team. Going up on a team 28-0 to or as opposed to 7-0 to is a world of difference because then UCF ends up putting a drive together. They have an explosive run play. We knew they were going to get some explosive run plays. They get tackled in the red zone. And then Oklahoma, you know, we force a goal line stand. Great goal line stand by the defense. Um, it's good to see that that's kind of something they're taking pride in. But then Jared Canick has a dumb personal foul penalty. In my opinion, I think it was a soft call. Like there's got to be a little bit of emotion in college football. You stop a team in the red zone on a goal line stand, it's fourth down. They got to kick a field goal. Like, yeah, you can celebrate. You can talk a little trash. Like, this kind of comes with the game. I don't think – like, I don't, I'm not mad at the call because it's part of the rules, but at the end of the day, you can't have a ref dictate the game like that. Like, throwing a flag right there, giving them a fresh set of downs when they just got stopped and then they score on the next play, to me, I just – you just to me, I don't like the call. Per, simple as that. But, anyways, they score 7-7. And then um, UCF starts hanging around. You know, the offense kind of has some slow starts. Running the ball is still, still an issue. Um, Tywee Walker, uh, one of the running backs at Oklahoma, who's uh, currently our best running back, had a personal uh, matter with DeMarco Murray. They got into it, it sounds like, at practice. So he was suspended by the team. It wasn't like uh, anything else. Um, so suspended by the team. Where we're down to Marcus Major and Gavin Sawchuk. And uh, the run game pretty slow and they're just the play calling is just very inconsistent one drive we gave the we gave marcus major four or five carries straight in a row then we just take him out and then you don't go to him anymore so i'm just like what are we doing here um i definitely could tell we were missing the presence of andrew anthony our deep threat receiver uh nick anderson had two touchdowns himself so obviously he's filling into that role quite nicely i think he has like eight touchdowns now on like 19 catches or something crazy like that. So extremely productive, very good receiver. Drake Stoops played very well. Um, Dylan Gabriel played well aside from the interception. Uh, you try to hit Drake Stoops on the skinny post and a little RPO concept missed him. He was a little late on the throw, which caused Drake to get blown up and which caused the ball to go in the air interception. And that was actually uh, the first time all year Oklahoma 
hadn't forced a turnover in the, in the game and we only turned the ball over once. But obviously that's a big deal if you're not forcing turnovers yourself. Um, so, you know, that causes UCF to kind of get more m momentum and they're hanging around with us. I don't think the clock was really managed that well at the end of the end of halftime. Um, it looked like we were trying to take the clock all the way down to zero and not leave them any time instead of, you know, using the timeout after a quick completion to Farouk on the sideline. For me, you call timeout there and then you kind of use that time to set up your your plays, your script of plays after to kind of get into field goal range or score some points. We end up tying the game or tying up the game like 17-17. Um, the defense is playing well, but, um, you know, I'm not really too mad. UCF is going to – they were going to score points. Like, they they, they are – Gus Malzahn is coached in a national championship. He's been a OC for a long time. He's always going to have explosive offenses. I think some of the plays we gave them were just, you know, it was explosive plays and on our end. Um, the defense, for the most part, really played well. We had we held them to like 100, under 150 yards, and they've been averaging over 250 for the year. So you hold a team like that that runs the ball that well to that average, you're obviously playing some good defense. It's just more so of stringing together it consistently, and then when your offense is playing complementary football, then your defense is going to you know, have some lapses just due to the fact that the offense isn't scoring and the score could look worse than what it is. Special teams, punting looked better. Field goals is an issue. I really do think they need to have some kind of battle with Smith this week or they got I've, they got to go to another kicker if he's not getting the job done. Because at the end of the day, we will lose games if we can't make field goals. Like, this game was a prime example of that. If we, if we make those two field goals, we end up winning by eight points, which is right. well, a lot different from them going for it on a two-point conversion to tie the game up. So You never want to get to the point in the game where you have to play the what-if game. Mm -hmm. And I think both of our teams are very lucky that we don't have to look at this with an L and play the what if game, yeah. but there's a lot of what ifs with both of our exactly. games. So just a handshake real quick, mm -hmm. Texas, Oklahoma play calling. Yeah. This is that meme where you see the two mm -hmm. and somehow Spider we survived. Yeah. Spider-Man, yes. the point in each other. Yeah. yeah. So Go for it. I, I don't know if you finished. Oh uh, yeah. La last finish. couple of things. Uh, um, I mean, obviously the tape's not as bad as you think. Um, it's kind of what I got from it, but, um, I do think this was a really important game for us, not only because we won the game, but I think it was one of those games where uh, you could kind of tell in Brent, Brent Venable's press conference, it was one of those games where he knew that they probably low-key should have lost, but us us last year probably wouldn't have won the game. And also it's a game where it kind of humbles us, brings us back, knowing there's a lot to improve. You're not invincible, and I think they're going to play with a fire the rest of the year just due to the fact that they kind of got this ugly win out. It matters to win ugly. Like, you're going to have to win ugly sometimes, but it's about getting that job done, winning the game. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how we do this week against Kansas. But before we go into that, I'm going to let you talk about uh, the game that happened um, down south in Houston. Yeah, so let's go. <laughs> Three zero, and we're still at the top of the first and one out, baby. Let's go. It's so hype. Sorry. Yeah. So we are back to college football. Um, so like Cam said, there was a lot of things that Oklahoma struggled with. And I think that ours was kind of the same reflection just down in Houston, mm -hmm. as opposed to Norman. Um, there's a lot at stake in this game. Um, maybe not as much for us, but a lot of talk in Houston about just beat Texas. Um, this is the one, you know, um, the one game that, you need to win. Dana Holgerson talked about how he heard from everyone. Just beat Texas. I don't care if you win another one. You can go one and 11, but just beat Texas. And to be fair, I hear that a lot with teams we play. I'm not trying to, <laughs> you know, it just, it happens when you're the team that you are. Exactly. Um, you know, we vowed to never play in Houston again uh, back in 
2001, I believe. There was a whole debacle. Yeah, I saw with that. I was the like, amount I didn't of, even know that. Basically, Houston promised us a certain amount of seats and tickets, and last minute, there were none. And kind of had pissed off our AD at the time and, you know, said, like, you know, we're never going to play there again. Um, and so we haven't. And they have tried and tried and tried for multiple years to get a series or a home and home with us. And it would just make sense. I mean, you've got you two teams – very well-established education um, campuses in the world, but especially in the state of Texas. Um, so, you know, we just said, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And our good old friend, um, Brett, Brett Yormack, said, no, nah, I'm going to make you guys play one time mm -hmm. before you guys leave the conference. So that's what we did. Um, what an ugly win. Good teams have to win ugly games. I mm -hmm. um, believe Barry Switzer said that. When you're a championship team, when you're a good team, you got to mm -hmm. – you know, when the good ones, when the ugly ones, and when the bad yeah. ones or whatever, something like that. Yeah. Um, we started out hot. We started out looking like Texas is supposed to look like. Talent-wise, we're stacked mm -hmm. um, in most areas. And, you know, it felt good. I was sitting there on the couch, 21 to nothing, feeling great. And then I think it was when it was 14 to nothing, the dumb announcer has to say something, or analyst had to say something about, maybe we'll see Arch Manning. And I just, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic we'll talk about in a yeah, second. No but that really made me mad, and that was kind of the turning point. We scored one more, and then we just didn't score for a while. Um, you know, we struggled in the secondary. They attacked our weaknesses. Um, we tried to be fancy, tried to go for it on fourth down, uh, or actually tried to trick play and, and run it on fourth down when we were going to, lined up to kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, they had six penalties for 60 yards, struggled on third downs. I believe we were three for 12. That's pretty bad. Um, and three for five on fourth downs. Um, we just relaxed too much. And Sark said that. We just got too relaxed. We went up 21 points, and we should never feel comfortable. Being Texas, being in Oklahoma, being a team that's, that is doing well, you can't get too comfortable because the team you're playing on the other side of the field is going to keep playing. It's a dogfight for them. They're not going to give up. And the Houston didn't. And they are a talented team. Um, play calling, in my mind, just got sloppy as well. I think that because we got relaxed, we tried to do too much. And they were just eating up our run game. They were prepared. They were getting to us. Our offensive line played well, but there were a lot of times that they just kind of buckled. Mm -hmm. um, just got ahead of ourselves. I think we just overthought a lot. Um I think a big topic of the game is the uh, refereeing and, and just the uh, calls that were made on the field. Um, the spot on the third down later in the game was a big topic after the game and during, during it too. Um, I'm not going to spend any time on it. What happened happened. If we're going to talk about spotting, or we're going to talk about play calling or the lack thereof. We're going to talk about it all. And if we open up, whether that was a, right spot or not, then we're going to open it up for everything else. Yeah. And I think there's as many receipts to show, you know, massive holding, massive missed calls that also resulted in scoring, if not huge well, um, conversions. Well, also, too, uh, not to, like, cut you off and inter interrupt, but, like, even going back to our game um, where they scored on that, uh, you know, it's just a bust, really, like, QB running mm -hmm. where a man coverage corner comes up to try to fit the run and then – wide receiver runs past him they dump it off for a big yeah. explosive touchdown and the wide receiver literally is jogging because he's by himself mm -hmm. blows a kiss to, to the sideline yeah on the 30 yard line and then the refs are like oh we didn't see him blow the kiss there's no one by him as clear as day obviously that's not like it was a three yard run exactly like it was huge exactly yeah. and it was like 
yeah, I kind of don't like, yeah, it's okay if you don't call it. Like, I don't mind it. But to me, I'm like, call that because you called uh, personal foul on Jerry Kinnick for taunting when he mm-hmm. got a stop on third, 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 or third and goal. Like, just, just keep be it, consistent. Just keep it consistent. Yeah. That's all I care about. Like, I understand. I like the passion tree. I, li- I like that. Like, I understand. Like, taunting, like, to me, that's fine. Like, and on the white lines, like, I get it because it just it comes with it. But you just got to keep it consistent. And even going to the alls game, like, just keep it consistent, like mm-hmm. on on all aspects. And um, oh yeah, I'll let you continue. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I agree. Be consistent, and they were just not. It was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Um, you know, we won the game. Um, Stark said the game came down to two two possessions. We found a way to punch it in on ours, and we found a way to get a fourth down stop on defense. And so um, that's really what it came down to. Uh, a couple shout-outs to Savion Red. He played extremely well. He went in the game when we needed him, and he did what we needed him to do. And that was huge. And he did exactly what we really needed him to do back then at the uh, Red River when uh, we had to. We were on the one-yard line and tried to punch it in four times and didn't get it in. Don't know why we didn't go with that, that play call. But we got it. He did what he needed to do. He played well. He played his role. He executed. Um, extremely proud and excited to see what he'll continue to do. Jonathan Brooks had a good game. Um, you know, our run game is something I do feel confident in. Um, people know that we run the ball well and that we have a, a great offensive line to protect our run game. So they definitely, you know, found ways to stop us. Um, but that didn't stop us from playing our uh, what we do and our playing our game. Um Quinn, he threw for 20, 23 for 29, uh, 211 yards. Um, he played well. Uh, he just uh, lowered that shoulder and got hit and fell to the ground. And that throwing shoulder, right shoulder, um, I guess, just hit the ground in a weird way. Well, even when he took off, I mean, I was watching it with Shoney. And really, when he took off, when he got hit, he, I was just like, bro, he got smacked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the hit was like flush. Like, I'm not even, even mad. He I'm didn't glad even he see went. the guy yeah. and like got hit flush. And then I thought, I was like, all right, well, he's obviously okay because he got up and played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He played the next, the next, uh, and like, um, it, I'm not going to say play. you could, you could see the hit coming, but I'm going to say it's one of those hits that I think after now he's kind of been, he's got hurt the last two seasons and he's going to mm-hmm. be missing some substantial time the last two seasons and yeah. during the year due to a shoulder injury. And I, I was telling you and Carlos, like even when he runs, like he looks more athletic this year, which is he's got more confidence in running the football, but even like the hit he took against Peyton Bowen uh, and in the red river, like he wasn't close to getting the first down, like just slide and go down. Cause at the end yeah. of the day, you got to protect yourself and right. And it's part of it too. Yeah. Like you do risk going out, but also I don't like, I we've talked on, yeah. talked about it on this show. Like I don't want my play, quarterback to play scared and he yeah. was going. Sometimes I you got to know I when there's like him for to, it, live though. The, to live for another down. But too. I don't know that this was that type no, of play. No, it wasn't. I, it I wasn't. think there are definitely times where you're like, yeah. oh boy, you're not going to get those six yards. I'm just yards. saying like, he's just Slow never, down. never showed to be, to like, know even how to slide because when he does like fall, i don't know he, like, that it's that though i think like, he was like i'm gonna forward. go i i think he was oh, yeah. confident in it he's like i'm gonna throw my shoulder and you know try to get this big boy off of me and and try to get a few more yards or another one at least and so i don't fault him for yeah. it i'm not looking back and thinking ah oh, quinn why didn't you do this yeah no i'm just talking um, about just from like like a long no for sure purpose. and and yeah. sark did talk you know yesterday pete thamel came out and said it'll be you know, a few weeks, don't really know when we'll see him back, but he should be back. And, you know, you don't, you never know where these people get these sources. Sark also isn't going to give you too much information, but he did say it's week to week. I don't expect to see him for the next few 
Um, I also could see be the type of, being the type of thing where if we really, really need him and it comes down to a certain part of a game where it's like he's good to go, um, we don't need to hold him back anymore. We need him in the game. I could see that. But I think we're going to go with Malik. Well, I know we're going to this week. Um, and I, I'm confident in it. I think Malik is ready for his time. I'm so excited that we have someone like him. This is why you recruit. This is why you have backups. This is why it's important to not only have a star yeah, first string, but to have another depth. one. You got to have depth. That's why you can't have excuses mm -hmm. as to who's playing and who's not. Um, you know, I think we're a good enough team to be able to play with a different quarterback. Mm -hmm. And our team believes in Malik. Um, and right now Malik is our quarterback. So no need to talk about anyone else. No need to talk about whether Quinn will be back or not. I'm confident in Malik. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. But all in all, this this uh, win shows how our team is resilient. And we, um, you know, fought through it. It was a dog fight. A dog fight I didn't think we were prepared to have. Um, but shout out to Houston. Shout out to their game plan. They had several explosive plays. Um, they have some really, really talented players. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do in the Big 12. I think they're not a team to mess with. Um, but, yeah, it was a good win. It was an ugly win, but it was a win we needed, and we got it. And we're going into week eight, six and one. And I'm excited to see, say that and uh, play BYU next week. Yeah, yeah. What do you expect uh, to see uh, from Malik's first start? And how do you think y'all can prepare him, like put him in the best best position to be successful his first start? I, I mean – the thing is, is you got to throw to those um, experienced wide receivers. And I think that we're really going to see an extreme version of, of Sark getting the ball to his most talented and resilient players. We talk about how he's always going to find a way to get that to those players. But, you know, we, we saw Malik for two possessions um, in the game, I believe. And he only really pl played for one because the second possession, we just took me, um, I believe. Right. I think it, I think it was only two possessions. Yeah, um, but he only threw like a couple of passes. Yeah, so he threw the first one to um, uh, Adonai Mitchell, and it was a great throw. It just wasn't there, and I think you're gonna you expect to see that getting the jitters out. It was thankfully didn't get in the way of any Houston players where they could snap it. But um, you know he has a cannon for an arm. He plays so well, and I'm so excited because we haven't gotten to see all that he can do. I'm very confident in him. I do think that we can expect to see a shaky start um, just because it's, it's you know, new. He didn't expect to go in, but he's always been prepared to go in. I believe that he's always believed in this team. I mean, he's believed in this team prior to him even being in Austin. He's a huge part and proponent in us being able to recruit the way that we were able to a couple of years ago and even last year. So he's always really fought and tried to get these guys here. So um, people believe in him. I think he believes in himself, and I think that's going to create – um, a unity in our, uh, you know, in our offense and our, I'm not worried about our guys up front. Glad to have Jake majors back. Um, you know, we just got to keep doing what we do and got to get the ball to those experienced guys like, uh, JT Sanders and Xavier, uh, Jordan Whittington. He had a great ball to Jordan Whittington it was a little high, but that's the kind of guy you need to get it to someone that's going to be able to help out your quarterback and get that ball mm -hmm. defensively. Secondary's just really got to figure out, um, a better way, better game plan. I didn't really love the way that they were playing, um, but I, I'm confident we can get it figured out. BYU is a good team. Thankful to be back at DKR. It feels like forever. Um, and yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's definitely been forever too. Just because I mean, the couple like bye week, Red River, and then away game. Uh, one quick tidbit I'll say too about um, Texas and the, specifically the secondary play. 
I think a lot of that stuff's correctable. It's just more so like what y'all are in. Like you're not really giving the their sa- the safeties a position to be productive. Yeah. If you're gonna sit them in this match quarters, which is you know right. It's 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 to, to explain it to people. It's basically just cover four on the back end, but you have a you have really the corners kind of masking that. They're kind of just playing more of a shallow underneath, and they got help over the top. But you can attack that because the middle is just open because the safeties are protecting the deep part of the field. So Houston is, is banging slants the whole way down the field. Cause it's literally open. Like there's nothing there. Yeah. So that, yeah. I think you, you, you just change that up. And also that's a coverage in my opinion that you run when you don't have the athletes and y'all have the athletes. Right. You need to run stuff like right. that. Right. And, and again, like not to knock them. I mean, we figured out we, we made, they made plays too. So no, um, for sure. And they I'm have just made saying plans, like, uh, plans, yeah. plays this season. Um, so that's why we know that they, it can be correctable. Yeah. And I think that, Obviously, you always want to play a perfect game, but that's not always obtainable. And I think that it's good that we have mistakes that we can't fix. So, Attention opinionated media listeners. If you want to make a podcast, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit episodes right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard or listened to. Video podcasts are also now available. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast descriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. For us, ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's made our life so easy being able to just upload all of our audio video to the platform and then have it distributed everywhere and it can get the job done simultaneously for us. We've never had any issues with them. We actually been using them since the OG days of Anchor. So shout out to Spotify for podcasters. Now on to the rest of the episode. Yeah, so uh, Oklahoma plays Kansas this week. Um, you know, it's been every time we go to Kansas, definitely interesting. I mean, a couple years, uh, a while ago, everyone knows iconic Baker picture and then uh uh, Kayla Williams first real struggle game was this game a couple of years ago in Kansas and Lawrence. But, uh, that's also when he had the heroic Superman play where he took the ball and got the first down and ended up scoring a touchdown off that play. But, uh, with, uh, Caleb or not Caleb, sorry, with, uh, with Kansas, um, Jalen Daniels is, uh, returning again, or finally, uh, he's been hurt most of the year and, uh, arguably a top 10 quarterback in college football. So we should have our hands full in this game. Uh, Kansas is a good team. Um, very their their defense definitely isn't that good. Um, definitely, there's going to be a ton of plays. I mean, we played them last year after you know getting blown out against Texas, and I think I think Dylan threw for like 400 in that game. So, um, I expect our receivers to do really well. Um, and I think our defense is a lot better. They're a very similar team to kind of what we just played against UCF. A lot of option principles, a lot of option concept concepts. Athletic quarterback, good running backs, uh, good capable skill guys on the outside, but. Um, really what I think in this game, and I think we kind of saw it, uh, at the end of the UCF game is we have capable running backs and the way our running runs run concepts are, they are what they are at the end of the day. Like, I don't think they're going to obviously change those. Maybe it'll be something discussed in the off season, but as of now we know how we're going to run the football. So I, I truly think instead of us doing this, Oh, we got to try to get all these guys reps or whatever, or what, try to feed the find out who the hot hand is. I think you need to go into this game specifically if it's Tywee Walker or if it's Gavin Sawchuk 
I think you gotta just go, you gotta just know in your mind this guy's got, getting 15 c- touches regardless this game, and I think Gavin Sawchuk should be the guy to get 15 touches this game. Tyby Walker is obviously very capable, very good back, but Gavin we saw is starting to get more comfortable. He's been hurt most of the year, starting to get more comfortable. He has elite speed. He he's a top end 60 meter track runner in the country for a reason. He literally b- bursted through the hole and was jogging like. He literally was looking back and pulling away from them. He wasn't even running full speed and was still pulling away from them, jogging, looking at the sideline. Do I go down or not? Ends up scoring the touchdown. So I really think you get Gavin Sawchuk more involved in the run game. Let him know he's going to get, you know, 15 carries this game or 15 touches, however you get him the football. Um, and also use your playmakers, but don't try to do too much. Like if you're going to line Farouk up in the backfield, I understand it, but you can't like to me running running a, a reverse with Gavin Freeman in the fourth quarter when you're like like to me that's like that's that's type, those type of plays I'm like that's stuff you run in the first half or first quarter when you have better players and you have good running backs run the football run mm-hmm. it properly so I expect us to run the rock and uh, <clears throat> I expect us to run the rock and hopefully you know we do we take care of business on that end but uh. Now we're going into the bars of the week. Uh, quick little hit, hits on these. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, obviously took care of business this weekend against Penn State. And uh, he, de- he technically owns Penn State. The last two games, his splits are he's had 347 yards in his last two games against Penn State. This game he had 11 catches for 162 yards, one touchdown. I do think he was the determining factor of why Ohio State beat Penn State. They just don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. or Maserati Marvin is what they've been calling him. Um <laughs> Now we got uh, Ollie Gordon Ooh, at, Oklahoma, Ollie. at Oklahoma State, and this dude has been tearing it up. Arguably, not only arguably the best, games for best running back in college football, but one of the best players in college football. 282 yards on the ground, four touchdowns against the West Virginia team who people were saying watch out for uh, earlier on in the Big 12, but they're starting to drop some games. But Ollie Gordon, uh, really explosive running back. Uh, we'll definitely have our hands full, fill our our hands full when we play them <laughs> in Stillwater at some point this year. This year, excuse me. Um, Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback, they played Army, so not really a, a great, great team to represent against. But uh, in a week of some down competition or teams struggling, uh, he stood out to us. He had 279 yards, 11 for 15, very efficient with the football. Sounds like he was throwing some deep shots. Three touchdowns, one touchdown. Now we have Bucky Irving, uh, Oregon's uh, running back. I really like this this guy. I think he's a uh, um, if I'm a scout, like I just like he's like a prototypical NFL back. Very good uh, receiving back. Very good as well running the ball. He had 15 carries for 130, 8.6 average, two touchdowns. He also had three uh, three catches for 51 yards, one receiving touchdown. So he's a uh, almost 200 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns total. Like. What more can you ask for uh, a running back, especially in this day and age in football? And now we also have, last but not least, this was uh, the week of the running backs. We have four on this list. We have, um, I think his name, hold on, let me pull it up, Schrader. We have Cody Schrader from Missouri. Um, took it to uh, my mom's school, South Carolina. Uh, not pretty on their, on their end, but uh, 26 carries, 159 yards. It was actually surprising because uh, Missouri has shown that they have – a lethal uh, wide receiver duo, but the fact that they were able to change it up this game and run the ball kind of shows me that this team is pretty dangerous on offense. Sounds like they can do a lot of things are pretty balanced. Uh, and he had two touchdowns. So those are our ballers of the week. Um, 
let us guys know in the comments what you thought about that. Now we got some talking points for us. Um, and I saw these tweets kind of on Twitter, just some coaching comparisons. Um, you know, they'll kind of show uh, the one that really sticks out to me all the time is when they have uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, Kevin Sumlin. They kind of show like their resumes simultaneously bring side people by back side. Down exactly. So like, like, hey, this is what y'all yeah. have been doing. Like this is what you were be, upset about. You yeah, have this. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, there might be other things that kind of play in factor. other factors. And I, I think too with A and M to talk on them real quick. Nine and one during the COVID year. I think that like sticks in a lot of people's mind. Obviously, these recruiting classes are insane, but yeah. this is also due to NIL, new era of college football, things like that. So this mm-hmm. could have always been the case. But we're seeing that with the talent, like Jimbo's not getting it done. But anyways, we're gonna go into these talking points. Uh USC coaching comparison. I thought this one was super interesting. Uh so through the first 22 games, Clay Helton, 17 and 15, or 17 wins, five losses, zero Pac-12 titles, one bowl win, four and five versus the ranked, and one and one versus Utah, and one and one versus Notre Dame. Now, the guy on the right might surprise you. He obviously hasn't been there that long, but Lincoln Riley, 17 and five, zero Pac-12 titles, zero bowl wins. He has the Heisman winner, so we'll throw that in there. But two, two, uh, two and five versus ranked teams. He's 0 and three versus Utah, and he's one and one versus Notre Dame. Um, so basically those who aren't looking at the tweet we're looking at for the first 22 games, both of them went 17 and five, both of them zero pack 12 titles, both of them, uh, one and one versus Notre Dame. However, clay had one bull win. Yeah. And they're, and they're both, they're both really struggling against the upper echelon of talent. Like the yeah. Ranks, the ranked games. Clay went four and five versus ranked. Lincoln only went two and five. And that's the thing is like, you can play this comparison game all day. Also, what you're not looking at is the type of teams that both played. Um, I think arguably yeah, Lincoln has lost against better teams. Yeah, the Pac-12 is better. Now the Pac-12 right now. is a lot better right now. Yeah. I don't like the guy. I think a lot of people are wondering where's his mind. Oh, what is he that, focused we, we on? on Lincoln all day. But we're also not going to spend too much time <laughs> talking about this kind of man. Nah, for sure. Inter- it's just an interesting yeah, you know, it's just an comparison. Interesting little tidbit, interesting little scenario. Um, now we got another comparison. Shout um, out to CFB Home. Yeah, shout out to CFB Home for real for pulling That's up. That's where this. that stat I love came this. from. Um, now we got a, a Texas coach on here, uh, old Texas coach, uh, Will Muschamp, and uh, an old Oklahoma coach, Shane Beamer. Uh, first th- 33 games in South Carolina, 19 and 14 for Will Muschamp, zero SC titles, one bowl win, zero and nine versus ranks, which is that's pretty alarming. One one. Uh, uh, they spent one week ranked, and then they, he was 0-4 versus Clemson and A&M. All right, Shane Beamer, 17 for 16, zero SEC titles, one bowl win, 3-9 versus ranked, four weeks ranked, 2-2 uh, two and two versus Clemson and A&M. Now, for me, since I like have been watching South Carolina my whole life, I think it was a lot harder for Shane to come in due to the fact of the job Muschamp and had done previously. I'm not saying Muschamp did a bad job, but – it was a lot easier for Muschamp to come in kind of after um, the Spurrier years. Because South Carolina was, like, really good. We were kind of on a high. And it was a lot easier to kind of build with that. Now, with Shane, he kind of had to fix the mess. And last year kind of shows where the direction of the program was going. Beat Clemson, beat Tennessee. Uh, Should have beat Notre Dame in the bowl game. I think they went eight or nine games. He's recruiting extremely well. They have a top 15 class in the country. What's alarming, though, is seeing the drop-off. Like, you can lose games, but – the way Shane Beamer has been losing games lately, like going in Missouri and just getting smacked. It was like 28 to zero at one point. Uh, when you have Spencer Rattler, you have the talent, you obviously have an NFL capable starter 
right now on your team. Like, right. you shouldn't be losing like this. And when that's he's putting up the say. numbers, he's he's putting up some great numbers. Like, and that's another thing. Muschamp didn't have a Spencer. You know, I was going to say, who guys. did he have to help lead his team? Mm -hmm. I mean, Spencer is leading the team as well as he can yeah. when he's not being sacked. But it is a, it's a whole different thing. That's why comparisons are easy, but also like it's easy to look at stats. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more to stats. So that's why when you watch college football, when you watch any kind of sport, you can have these data analysts tell you this mm -hmm. and that. But if you don't really get the game, you don't really know the ins and outs and what it takes to bring a team together. As far as recruiting, who the type of caliber you have on your team, it all there, it's so much more than just the numbers. And so while it's fun to look at these kind of things, it's just I think a great way to just remind everyone that mm -hmm. college football is so much more than numbers. So if all you watch college football for the bets and all of that and the stats, you're not doing it right. College football is yeah. too good to just look at these kind of things. So all in all, it is a, it's mm -hmm. fun to look at that and again bring people down to you know back to ground level to kind of be like, hey, don't forget where you've been. Don't forget what you said when this coach was here. This coach is doing the same thing. Kind of make it fair. Um, shout out Corey Seager. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, good yeah. point. But another yeah. topic, I don't know if you were done, sorry, but uh, another no, topic, you're, a you're, big topic out there right now is Michigan yeah. and everything they're going um, through right now when it comes to sign stealing. Man. Um, you know, this uh, Connor's Stalins? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Connor Stallings. Connor, Stallings? Connor Stallings. Yeah, I mean, uh, on three re released an article today via Pete Thamel um, that he bought tickets for more than thirty Big Ten games over the past three seasons. Stallings had two tickets for the Ohio State Penn State game, one seat across from each bench, and he did not attend the game. Which so, means, with all this coming out, he was like, "I'm not going to go, even though I have two seats, and they were noticeably empty." That's a game people don't have empty seats at. Exactly. Basically, what this article is saying is that he was purchasing tickets, whether it be him or other people they're sending. I don't even know if it's confirmed that he was actually at yeah. them, but it, what it looks like is that they were sending people to sit behind the benches and across from the benches. So one person on each side to basically steal the signs mm -hmm. of the team that they were there to look at. Exactly. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, think about it. 30 big 10 games over the span of three seasons. It's a lot. You know how many games that is? So obviously people were helping him because if you're only going to one, Every like thing about. I mean, was he even going? Do we even know? I mean, maybe I, he's purchasing them, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still, it is what it is. But, but that's but what I'm saying. I, I don't know. Like, if, if he's going to thir if there's been thirty games that were attended for, mm -hmm. you have to realize, like, if he's going to one game, if he's going to one team's game every week for three seasons, that's probably eight or nine conference games a year. That's still less than thirty Literally. games. So that means they're going to multiple games every year. Yep. And. Uh, there was a uh, another uh, like article or something that came out like he made a he think he makes like fifty five grand like in salary and uh, someone was like if he's making fifty five thousand like obviously he can't afford that like no, the math's Michigan's not mathing so Michigan it. is paying for those tickets as well, well and and you can't even say that so and so didn't know about it because you're sending someone to find out information mm -hmm. for the opposing team that you're going to play that way you have an advantage against that team therefore that information has to go somewhere mm -hmm. and that information has to go through people who are teaching those players what to do out there therefore it's going through coaches and it's extremely disappointing because you lose respect because at the end of the day the game's a game and you know you can watch people call signs, throw up their big signs and see what they're doing X, Y, Z all day, but you're not focused on that the entire game. Yeah. What they're doing is they're sending someone. They said that there was, um, I guess, surveillance of someone who was sitting in the seat that he bought 
literally filming the entire sidelines, the entire game. Um, so they're literally trying to get an advantage that not anyone else has. And yes, you can pick up on little things, but at the end of the day, play football. It's taking away from the game and it makes you question, you know, the scheme that people, I mean, you have to show up and do what your team does and hope that that's enough to play against the team you're playing against and win. But yeah. how disappointing is it that you have someone just trying to go do something extra? Yeah. Now, was that worth it? What is this going to do now for the reputation at Michigan, um, reputation of the administration and yeah. the um, athletic program, and especially Jim Harbaugh? I mean, like we have an immense amount of respect for this guy, and he's already sat on the set out and not been able to coach a few of the games at the beginning of the season. Now people are wondering, he's going to the NFL. What's he going to do? And now you have this on your plate. What does this do? Does this taint him as a coach? Yeah, and it's also is this going to you know, hold them back. Yeah. It's also, I mean, something like this is super serious. Like this is, if it is allegedly that they were really cheating like that, like what's going to come with that? Are they going to be banned from the postseason? Are they going to get some kind of recruiting penalty? I mean, obviously they mentioned him, you know, buying prospects hamburgers, which I think was a little ridiculous, but when it so ties what? in with this, it's like, okay, like what, what else could he be? This doing? is way different. You know? And yeah, that's the thing too, is like, this might be the, the height of it, but yeah, you don't know what's going on behind exactly. closed doors and this is what's happening out in the open. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it makes me wonder, I mean, how many, like, I don't film watching games, but when you went to the game with me the other day and we were like, Hey, you know, dating a content creator, you're always thinking of different <laughs> ways to get cool videos and, you know, sure. um, Cam had the pleasure of sitting with my family and I was like, Hey, I actually, you know, could get some cool videos and we were doing that and I, I think I filmed maybe a couple plays but I don't want to do that because I want to be focused in well, yeah. but I was just thinking I was like wonder how many times people sit there and then all of a sudden they catch something I mean you just wonder like well, how can you even like well, look look for that well, how can you yeah. know whether someone's doing that or not well that's the thing though like sign stealing in football isn't illegal because when you it's on like that stuff's on film like yeah you have on it. film but it's more so the principle of him basically sending scouts to all the Big Ten games right. when they're not playing the That's why you have film, playing. though. You watch someone exactly. else's film to see what they're doing and see, like... Because, like, for example, we played Shadron State my junior year. We knew all their signals. They were a very quick game type of team. We had a really good coach out, Dwayne Crawford. They would they would do this, basically, which is like a bubble. We knew, like, if the QB goes like this, bubble, right? We saw the signal. Dre literally did not move, sat. But, yeah, I was talking about my, my boy Dre in college, like... Uh, we're playing Shatner State. They're doing like this for a bubble screen. They had all kind of like signals. We knew what they were going to run, kind of just mm -hmm. to show their receivers, like, if you audible, like, okay, we're going to run a screen, whatever. And he literally sat there five yards out off the ball, didn't move because he knew the screen was going. He just jumped the route and picked six, first play of the game. So it's like when you study film, you have to know, but you also have to know, like, when you are studying film, there's all kind of dummy signals. Like, they have to blend it. There's coaches wearing certain colors that are the real signal guy. There's certain, like, you know, you just got to kind of figure that out. And it obviously rotates because football is a game of strategy and chess. So you're going to do whatever you can to get a leg up on the opponent. The integrity is being taken out, though, due to the fact that it's not preparing for the actual team he plays that week. It's like, oh, I'm going to scout the whole conference and per and just scout them for the last three seasons. And it does look a certain way when Michigan is starting to ascend as the best team and they're starting to beat Ohio State in back-to-back -back years they're starting to dominate the Big Ten so it does look bad I'm not going to say that's why they're good but it does not like look good as of now we obviously yeah. got to see what else comes out and plays out but as of now it's going to be super interesting to see over the next couple of weeks because now the NCAA is going to fully de 
dive into this because mm-hmm. they now they have basically like their warrant to like look yeah see what else they can For uncover sure. um i also it, my mind just goes to like how do you where do you start with this like mm-hmm. when who saw something and mm-hmm. thought let's look into this because it's pretty deep i mean how do you even find out who bought those tickets mm-hmm. and and how many he's gone to and xyz i mean there's so much that has gone into the investigation of this that mm-hmm. it's like if they've released this there's more mm-hmm. and the ncwa did say that they are supposed to be releasing um a um video surveillance of mm-hmm. one of these staffers that was sent by um connor in for you know for michigan um, but I have another topic that relates to college football that I did want to bring oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, good one. Oh, and I'm good. going to read the tweet. And I think that um, our community would have questions about this if they had seen our uh, For sure. post. So I, I I'm going to read Jefferson this tweet out. Dang, safe. All right. Um, so the tweet was from Emmanuel Acho, who is um, a jack of all trades. He did play Texas football went on and played a little bit in the NFL and has gone on to do very, very many important things in this world, being an advocate for X, Y, Z, um, and also having uncomfortable conversations. Shout out to him for that. Aside from that, he can have some pretty cringy takes and I do respect the guy. I think he's a great person all in all, but I think this tweet was over the top. I'm going to read it, let you know my thoughts. And I know you have your own and I think that we align on it. Um, Manuel Acho tweeted after the USC Trojans fell to the Utah Utes once again, three times in a row with their leading Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. He tweeted with national championship hopes gone, Caleb Williams should consider sitting out the rest of the season. The Heisman is a long shot. CFB playoffs are even less likely and he won't play in the bowl game. The risk of playing far outweighs the reward. Business decision. I hate this so much. I think that it comes down to the more and more people decide to sit out for bowl games, decide to sit out for the last couple games of the season because they want to rest themselves and be ready to make money in the NFL. Well, you can make money in college football now. And you can make a hell of a lot of it. And so I hate that college football is coming to a point where your star players who lead you through a season all of a sudden decide to say, I'm out. I'm going off to the big leagues. Y'all have fun and go yeah, win these and games. The, and the bowl games make more sense. but They do, but it still annoys me. And even some yeah. of my favorite, most respected players have done it. And it's, I mean, you it, understand. Yeah, it makes sense, though, because it's you like, because you're, after the bowl game, you're going to immediately start training. You're going to immediately start getting ready for the combine where you can increase your value in money. So for if sure. you get hurt in a bowl game that essentially doesn't mean anything, like for I'm not gonna say it doesn't mean anything because like that's the school that took you in. That's the school who made you a draft prospect. That's the school that you know you go you got your education from. Like whatever. Like yes, I understand representing the brand, but at the same time, if you are a first round potential early second round pick, like that life changing generational money is worth not sitting for out sure. For. It's now, a lot more than you. Yes. Uh, now, on, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 go ahead. no. But now with this instance, which. Let's clarify. Caleb never said he's not going to finish the season. He's not going to whatever. This is is more of a suggestion from Emmanuel Acho because if you look at it from a business perspective, it's like, yes, we know Caleb's going to be the number one overall QB potentially. I mean, I think so. I I really don't think it's like Drake May is good, but he does a lot of things that just don't sell me. But I'm going to say 
that Caleb is going to be probably the number one overall pick. Now, yes, he he wants to obviously compete for a national championship. He wants to compete for a Heisen race. Obviously, those things are probably off the table with two losses. But you know what's not off the table? The Pac-12 championship. They only Mm -hmm. have one loss in conference. That's something that they didn't talk about. Yeah, you might not win and go to the playoff, but winning the Pac-12, still winning a ring, still winning a trophy, still something that you care for. Now, what I think is going to be interesting is due to the fact that the way Lincoln Riley went to USC and didn't recruit and really bring in classes, I mean, their recruiting right now is horrible. They, the, the, the team that's put together is elite talent in certain spots and a bunch of On transfer offense. and a bunch of transfer guys. So you got to think about it. These guys are transferring to USC with the opportunity to go to the NFL or looking at themselves with NIL deals. There's no like there's no like strong foundational piece like when it comes to recruiting. Like you see these classes get put together. These kids have been talking together for 8 9 months at a time, jumping in the boat to these schools, committing, mm-hmm. then recruiting other kids you know, trying to get more kids in their class. They build this friendship. They yeah. all come into the school together. So then they all go through workouts together. Mm-hmm. They all struggle together. Some kids might play early. Some kids might not. Some kids might redshirt. They hang out. They become friends. They build this culture community. So by the time they are playing their sophomore, junior, senior year, they're, they've already like have be- became like a family. Now with United USC, yeah. that, that's not really there. So I'm curious to see what happens with this. And also don't think that Caleb – will sit out i think he's gonna play he's that type of guy and he's that type of competitor also as an nfl guy if i'm a scout i'm gonna be like yeah sure he might have you know not sat out but for me i i would love to see a quarterback finish out a year when he's obviously the first overall pick the most talented guy because as a scout you know like this guy's gonna come in to the organization and he's gonna be ready to compete because the nfl is gonna be like that utah game in the fourth quarter we watch NFL literally every week, and these games go down to the wire every week. Most of the time, you win in the fourth quarter. Like You're not going to blow right. everyone out, or you're not going to be able to beat up on lesser competition. You could go lose to the worst team in the NFL. We literally saw an XFL quarterback play for the Browns and go beat the best team, arguably, in the NFL, the 49ers, in his first start back in a year. Like That's just what's going to come with it. So you just can't And the reason things like, like that, that happen is because you are united front. You're a team. People back you. You all are like behind one another and I think that that's what where this gets messy is is it's are you playing for me or we Mm -hmm. is this a team effort or a you effort Mm -hmm. and obviously this team is not this team without Caleb it Mm -hmm. is obviously a very highly offensive driven team Mm -hmm. they don't have a defense that's well documented but at the same time (laughs) players come to play with Caleb Williams Caleb Williams went with Lincoln Riley and I reason probably like why uh, Zachariah Branch and all those those young guys are there. Right. It's like you get to play so with Caleb. So what does that say about you as a player? Yeah. Who wants to play with that type of player in the NFL? And I know we have our divas in the NFL, and I'm not even trying to label him as a diva. I do think that he's an incredibly talented quarterback. However, it this will be telling, and I don't think he's going to do this, but you do have this kind of provoking thought come out, like Emmanuel said. I mean, he was saying, and be fiscally irresponsible, if he kept playing, winning another Heisman, a natty is priceless and worth the risk. But if he's playing for uh, just wins and not that, why are we judging him if he sits out now as opposed to sitting out for a bowl game? But I think, and I'm not saying this is not my opinion. I'm just reading his reply to himself. But it it does point out, I mean, why why get upset if someone's trying to hold themselves um, back and, and not risk getting hurt? now as opposed to a bowl game i do think it's different 
But at the end of the day, I think Emmanuel Acho likes to have conversations and he likes to open up, uh, you know, a room for a lot of opinions. <laughs> Shout out to Garcia. He's letting the he boo him, birds hey, he's know. He's letting them know for real. I we like ain't got that. time for that in Houston. <laughs> what is up? I like that. Four to one. Let's go. And it's the top of the fourth, third, fourth, third. Got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't think that Emmanuel is going to fault Caleb. And really, Caleb doesn't give, you know what, about what Emmanuel Acho has to say. Um, I think he'll keep playing, but for how long for is sure. the question? I, already, I mean, he's already one of my locks of the week. So he got, he yeah, play. yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it was a silly talking point, and I think he got a lot of people going. And if you're going to put that kind of thing out there, you're going to get a lot of heat. And he did. And getting heat from 54 yards, that's for sure. I mean, he's getting heat from, I mean, Josh paid. I was listening to him on the way home. Ooh, and he, he was, was not happy. He was just like, this is garbage. Like, this is not what you, he was like, and he basically was like, if you cover college football, like, you don't say stuff like this. You, you, like, yes, it makes sense logistically, but at the end of the day, it's not like USC doesn't have games left on their schedule. I was mm -hmm. reading your schedule. Yeah, they play Cal this week. They should blow wow. them out. But Washington? they got Washington still. They got Oregon still. Mm -hmm. And they still got UCLA. They already have two losses. They could And maybe the Pac-12 championship. You yeah, don't exactly. know. Like, that's still on the it's table. Lincoln Riley. That's still on the table. And, like, Lincoln Riley is still going to coach. And, you know, you need to get reps and it's not like they're, the guys behind them are even ca really capable yet probably to even, you know, drag the team moving forward. But um, <laughs> I definitely like that tidbit. Um, what? I just think it's so great that he just hit another home run. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I know. It is great. It is great. A little, another tidbit. I want to talk real quick uh, about the the one notable game that kind of stood out for me. All of, all of the rest were kind of just kind of whatever. But Penn State and Ohio State um, – this game was just very telling of kind of just what I've thought always about Penn State. Like, Penn State, great program. Recruit well, really well. I just think they're just not they're, – they're a great team. They're not elite. They're not, like, dominant juggernaut. They're, the way they're able to recruit, they can beat everyone else. But when it comes to beating Ohio State and Michigan and the other teams in these other conferences that are at the top – they just need a little bit more, and I think that comes really at the skill position on offense. I think mm -hmm. they have good running backs. I think they have an elite defense, probably arguably one of the best defenses in the country. But when it comes to the offensive skill players, QB position, they have a five-star Drew Aller. I mean, he's young. They should be really good next year. Like, they'll be highly recruited just or ranked just due to the fact mm -hmm. they have, like, a five-star returning and all these players. And I just don't like the game plan, man. Like, you're playing against Ohio State. Jim Knowles has them rolling on defense, and you're going to – drop back with Drew Aller and throw the ball like 43 times. Like to me, that just didn't make sense. I don't think you, they had the firepower to really do that type of, had the type of game plan for me. And I, I guess this is why I'm not a coach, but I think I'd do a damn <laughs> good job. But I think you go into this game and you try to shorten this game because you know Ohio State has the playmakers, but you also know Kyle McCord isn't a C.J. Stroud, a Justin Fields, uh, Ohio State-capable quarterback that they've had in the past. He starts a little slow as well. So you got to try to make this game like Notre Dame did, make it, you know, a street fight. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to, like, run the ball slow, take time off the clock. You know your defense is going to be good and make stops. They, al they almost got a turnover for a touchdown. It got called back. Yeah. So you know they're going to play well, but – they just didn't have the Marvin Harrison Jr. And once he started getting rolling, that's kind of what was the determining factor in this game. And James Franklin goes to one and nine now against Ohio State, which is like pretty ridiculous. And he's also, I think he's like one and ten against like top ranked, top ten ranked teams. And 
thank God for him the playoff is expanding because with what he's doing now, they will never make the playoff. I think they are the most consistently good team, not great team. Yeah. They're great. They're good, great. You know, like they're, not they're quite gonna, great, great, they're, but they're, they're good, great. The, you can lock Penn State in every year for 10 wins. But like but they Josh Pate said today, he was like, how can you look at Franklin different when he wasn't even like predicted to win this game, right? A lot yeah. of the games that he loses to these, you know, highly ranked teams, he's not predicted he's to not win. Underdog. Their team is, a yeah, a little bit of an underdog. Mm -hmm. You should, as a great coach, be able to overcome those. And we've seen many teams be able to do so. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it definitely, you know, makes you wonder, will he ever be able to win those games? And to mm -hmm. win those type of games or to, you know, get to championships, you need to win those type of games. So it definitely is a... a you know, thought-provoking thing, but he's a great coach, and I don't think we should spend too much time on that. No, but, yeah, that, I mean, you know, that was kind of my thoughts on that. No, 100%. Real I have quick. a game that I had a fun time watching. What was that? It was very boring at the beginning. Oh, yeah, and very surprising, but I was up. Cam was night. doing some F1 stuff yeah. um, downtown, and I stayed back to watch football, and I was very exhausted after my, uh, you know, ugly win that we had. <laughs> um, but I watched the late game, um, Arizona State, mm -hmm. coming to the Big 12 soon. Um, playing Washington. Mm -hmm. Washington just came off of a, you know, great win last week against Oregon, mm -hmm. ready to see Penix, you know, put it on and, and you know, add to those stats mm -hmm. for his Heisman race. And he just didn't do that. Yeah. But guess what? That doesn't take away from the kind of quarterback and player that he mm -hmm. is. You have those type of games. But, man, this one was really interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure at halftime it was 7-3. to three. Arizona had scored a touchdown, and Washington hadn't scored a touchdown at all. And, actually, they did not score an offensive touchdown the entire game, which is actually pretty nuts. Um, Arizona State, shout out to them. They fought so hard. It was so fun. I was cheering for them. I obviously am oh, because course, Washington same. is was ahead of us. We need the up there, I was like, come on. I yeah, need, need these teams go. to lose. Bro. But man, they were, they were, I like their coach. Um, yeah. I like the grit that their team played with. They're, they're an upcoming team. I believe in them. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to be. They just haven't gotten it done yet. Yeah. They're one in five, but some of those games, I think they this, is, this is his first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was fun to watch as yeah. a coach. I mean, he was really, really wanting it. And that's yeah. the kind of coach you want. He was like almost fighting from the sidelines yeah. along with his team. Um, but I mean, Arizona State was driving the ball in the fourth quarter and they decided to go for it on fourth down to try to score a touchdown because they were moving the ball so well. And it turned into a pick six and ends up being the only touchdown that Washington scored, making it seven to 12 because they tried to go for two in order to even it out and they couldn't get that done. And then they ended up scoring a field goal at the end of the game, winning seven to 15, but quite the interesting game and something to look out for because I kind of worry now that Washington has gotten their, you know, kind of yuck game over with. And I'm worried that they're not going to lose another one. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm not going to say that they do have some teams on the schedule. They have the USC. They do. They have Washington state who is very capable. They also have, um, do they play Oregon State this year? Let me see. I don't think so because they the schedule all. The, I mean, that's the thing though. The Pac-12 is super uh, is super good this year. So like, there's going to be teams, and it, and obviously whoever they meet in the title game, yeah, they do can beat them. Who they play? They so they have Stanford coming up. That'll be an easy yeah, one. And then they have USC at USC. Then they have Utah see, at home. Like, they got a those lot. Those are of, typical. Yeah, Oregon but, State. But like they could lose any of those games. But they're also <laughs> a team that could go out there and shock everyone. I mean, look who you have as your quarterback. It's yeah. not you're not. I don't believe he's the type of quarterback that's going to have another game like that. He played 
pretty horrifically, mm-hmm. and their team still won. Oh, and no thanks to their them offense. Heisman rate, them Heisman chances, boy, playing like that. You know? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about what we've got coming up. Yeah, we almost we we have um we're gonna go through the AP top ten oh, yeah, or twenty five real quick. Uh, do ten. Yeah, we just really, we'll read yeah, it all. James Madison's at twenty five. Like that team. Glad to see them ranked. USC drops to twenty four. They're still in the top twenty five, but I mean it's kind of crazy to see them free fall like that. UCLA twenty three. Um, looked pretty good against Stanford with a backer QB. Tulane, a uh, great program. They're playing really well. Tennessee. Um, was really taking it to Alabama. That was a game we could have little t- probably touched on a little bit. Um, was taking it to Alabama. Uh, Joe Milton looked good in the first half. Alabama is one of these teams. They're starting to make adjustments uh, later in these games to, to you know, close them out. And um, playing really good football, second-half team, it's it's good to see. Duke uh, with Mike Elko, he's got them rolling. Honestly, I think if uh, – what's his name? The QB, Luke uh, – who's the QB's name? Uh, Duke. Oh, Riley Leonard. Yes. Yeah. If Riley Leonard didn't, doesn't get hurt, looks like a Luke. I think I think they win this game. I mean, they had the lead. They were you know in control. Defense is playing good. When they when he went down, their offense kind of took a hit. Air Force uh, uh, watched a little bit of them playing against Navy. Um, they look good, man. Uh, when they find a way to win, Louisville eighteen, um, North Carolina uh, very 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 bad loss to Virginia. Uh, you just can't lose to a team like that when you're arguably trying to compete for a playoff spot let alone the AC conference uh, title. Um, they're obviously in the mix for that, and they're still in the mix for the playoff. They just have to win out and win the ACC and then probably need some things to go their way. Missouri at 16. Missouri is looking very capable, man. They're looking really dangerous. Look like a team that could potentially win the SEC East, depending on how their game against Florida goes and against Georgia in the upcoming weeks. Um, I don't think they play Tennessee yet either. So it's, the SEC East is starting to kind of look a little bit more open with Brock Bowers getting hurt. But Georgia's still Georgia. We'll see how they look this week against Florida. Uh, LSU at 15. Uh, Notre Dame at 14. Utah at 13. Uh, just beat USC. Ole Miss at 12. Great win against Auburn. Oregon State finding their way into, back into the top 10. Another team that's going to you know compete for this Pac-12 and potentially a playoff spot. The thing about November, it's going to get juicy. Everything is open for everyone right now. That's the great thing about college football. This is really the playoffs already, if we're, if we're really being honest. Uh, Penn State at 10. They're another team. Yeah, they lost Ohio State, but if they can beat Michigan, and, if, and then if uh, Michigan can beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. there's going to be a three-way tie. And right now, they I think the three-way tie is based off a uh, – I actually have to look this up because I, I heard it the other day. We are getting into the point of the season where it is kind of like you start playing all the different scenarios, and that can literally drive me insane because it's like you should control your own destiny – Got to be a good enough team to control that. And it really stinks when you lose one that you shouldn't or you didn't want to. And then you got to hope that this team does this and this team loses here. Or they, If they win, they don't win you know, by much. And X, Y, Z, it's really getting to that type of time yeah. of the season where you really have to like start paying attention to yeah. what everyone else is doing. And, and for the Big Ten three-way tie, what they do is they compare the combined records of the three teams' West Division opponents. Ooh. So – Basically, that was holding well for Penn State because they had beat Iowa, right. who only had one loss at the time. So right. they kind of took a hit, but I think they still probably hold that tiebreaker as of now. Alabama at nine, that's looking really good for Texas as they're still finding a way to win. Oregon at Roll eight. Um, great win for the Ducks in those fire throwback unis against Washington State this weekend. Uh, Texas at seven. Um, hanging around, but uh, definitely going to have some uh, key games coming up with Quinn being hurt for the next couple of weeks. Oklahoma 
The Sooners at six. Uh, ugly win last week, but got it done. Uh, got to improve these next couple of weeks because the teams on our schedule are starting to play really good football. So um, it's not going to get any easier. Washington at five um, survives, but they get it done. They're, we obviously just talked about their schedule is going to be pretty pretty hard. Florida State, um, they got some teams on their schedule. I mean, they got uh, North Carolina still. They got uh, uh, Miami still, and they also got Florida still, which mm-hmm. is a game I thought about. I was like, oh, they got to still play Florida yeah, this yeah. year. So, you know, they got them. Ohio State. Don't really have anyone now. They have the best uh, resume. I think they'll be ranked number one when the uh, committee for sure drops their first polls. Michigan at two and Georgia at one. So those are the that's the AP update. And now we're going into our notable games of week nine. I don't think you sent me the graphic. It should be. Are you going on three? Mm-hmm. It's right there. There it is. All righty, folks. Week nine. I cannot believe it's week nine. It feels like it was just week I'm one. I'm sad. I'm about to be on my it NBA stinks. shit. <laughs> it goes from being like week one to like week 12, and you're like, where did the time go? Yeah, it's the greatest sure. time of the year, greatest sport. Fall, furl. Everything's about to be on right it's, now. Like next, like this week. But like this right everything. here, this right here, yeah. there's no game like the game of college football. Yeah. And for it's sure. just a shame that we get it just for such a small amount of so time. Fast. 13 weeks plus isn't really like that small amount of time but it because you enjoy it so much and you're so immersed and just the greatness of it and everything that and comes everything with it it's with just it. the shows yeah the the, 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 the pageantry day, the, the tradition the, the upsets like yeah it's, it's just a, there's nothing nothing compares to it literally mm-hmm. nothing and if you want to compare it let's talk um all right so we're going to start off the day with your oklahoma sooners Meeting in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, we have the Jayhawks. We have big noon kickoff, but I'm actually sad. I saw Joel Klatt said that they're going to the Oregon Utah game, which makes more that sense. Makes sense. But I was like, dang, I kind of wanted them, you know. But yeah. hopefully, we don't get a uh, Ted Brando or yeah. whatever his name is. But uh, yeah, why do you have your Sooners? I knew you're going to pick them. Uh, got the Sooners just due to the fact that I just think we're going to just play a lot better. Uh, I think that game was a wake-up call. It also comes off a super emotional win against Texas and a bye week. So it's like you haven't played football in a long time. Also, after that win, you're probably – like these all these people have social media. These kids are seeing what the media is saying. Obviously, we know that they're not – they know there's more on the, on the bone. There's more, you know, to get. But we just got to show up, and we're also going to play a team that's very capable. We know they're capable. That's the thing. So – they're not going to take them lightly. Dawson will got to deal with the fact that UCF and Levy are playing their old school. It's uh, a team that they have no allegiance to or anything like that. So I look for I look for us to you know play well. I think the defense will continue to play well, and uh, um, I have us you know covering. I think the line was nine. I think we can cover. So I got it. I got us for cool. sure. Um, I'm taking the Sooners. I think it will actually be a tougher game than people think. Uh, Kansas. They're a good team. They can bring some heat, and I don't think it's going to be an easy one, but I don't think it's going to be an ugly win for you guys. I think yeah. you'll be able to persevere and you know show your resilience, and this is really the type of game that you show that because Kansas isn't a team to just roll over anymore. Yep. Um, they're going to come – they're well and, coached, very well coached. And they've they've given both of our teams some fight yeah. the last couple of years. And so I don't think that this is one to look over, even though ten years. I mean, years and ago, arguably they, they they might have been ranked if they didn't kind of, you know, stumble, yeah. you know, or they're, had Jalen the whole year. So they're a good team. Yeah. Um, but I'll take the Sooners on this one. Um the other eleven o'clock game to look out for will be on ESPN. It'll be an SEC matchup. The Gamecocks versus the Aggies. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. Been a disappointing year for both both teams. Um, 
South Carolina, man, we just do not look like we do not look it. We don't look good. Um, and it's hard to see, man. I got I got the Aggies winning this game uh, pretty pretty handily, especially with the South Carolina and the way their offensive line is. I think that Aggies defensive line is going to really cause them some some trouble and some issues. And I think uh, AM wins this by ten plus is what I have. But the AM secondary is pretty bad, so I think Spencer can keep them in the game. But can playing his, on the road, can is his offensive line be, though? Yeah, playing on the road is not easy in the twelfth man as well. So. Um. I want the Gamecocks to get this one done. I think they have a really good team. I'm trying to battle my um, bias here. It would make sense to go with the Aggies because they're home, but I'm going to take the Gamecocks. Kind of an embarrassing win this past week. Not embarrassing because they played a good team, but... It's all been embarrassing couple of weeks. They, they, they fought they, against some good teams they this stumbled, year, though. The, they stumbled against the... Uh, they should have won the Florida game, stumbled that... I think they were better than North Carolina, to be honest. They just didn't play well. Um, and then Georgia, they they almost upset the Bulldogs on the road. Yeah, so um, that's why I'm going Gamecocks. Okay. You okay with that? Yeah. I, I, I want, South, okay I want South Carolina to win. We I mean, that's it. my that's literally my, my second – that's my step-stepchild step, step team. Like, We're going to hop over to another SEC matchup for a 2-30 game on CBS. Good yes. old SEC on CBS. Um, Georgia will be coming off of a bye week mm -hmm. and playing against the Gators. And this is what some will call a rivalry game. Um, definitely it definitely is. However, it's not that big of a one, but anyway. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely think it's on the bucket list for us just due to the fact that they, yeah. it's later in the it's year cool. and it's, it's neutral cool. site. It's, it's not cool. the Red River. It's the SEC version of the Red River. Like two teams are playing in Jacksonville, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's all right. It's, it's all right. It's all right. You know. um, yeah, I got um, – I, I mean, this would be a great one for the Bulldogs to get upset, but I, I think that they'll get this one done. And um, we'll have Brock Bowers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see a full game of him not playing. But they have a ton of talent. They're going to be able to get this one done and handedly so. So I'll take the Bulldogs Yeah, on this. it's called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I think Florida – I'm not gonna say they upset him, but the the line I sent it to Carlos, it was like 14 and a half. I was like, bro, I think I think Florida covers that. That's kind of a lot of points. Yeah, I um, do too. So I I have that as one of my locks of the week right now. Um, so a hey, 14 and a half. I, I'm riding with that. I think Florida can cover. I don't know if they win, but I would not be surprised. They're playing really good football. I mean, we thought Florida was down the dumps. They're now five and two, looking really good. And Georgia without Brock Bowers, they definitely had the bye week, so they definitely had a chance to. Maybe get some more people healthy. Um, maybe you know, kind of figure out what the offense is going to look look like going forward mm -hmm. for this last stretch of games without Brock Bowers. So I think Georgia will be prepared. They have the athletes. Before it also does have the athletes. I think they're playing with a confidence and swagger to them right now, and they know that everything is also right in front of them. And this is a big game, and for the, me, me and Cat, I mean, we wouldn't hate seeing Florida upset Georgia right here in this spot. Know. So um, I'm I'm gonna stand on it, and I'm gonna predict the Gators. What upset? Go Gators. I'd love that. Go Gators. Anyway, oh. <laughs> so another 2.30 slot on NBC. You guessed it. Notre Dame taking on Pitt because who else will play on NBC other than Notre Dame? That's like the iconic game you see, Notre Dame. Um, Cam hates it on NBC. but um, Yeah, Notre Dame. Sam Hartman. Yeah, I mean, Pitt is definitely – Pitt's one of those teams where I'm, I always am impressed with yearly, but they're kind of in a down year right now. Um they are capable of beating Notre Dame, but I think Notre Dame is a 
after that USC win, I think that kind of reju- rejuvenated their season. I think they're going to close yeah. out strong here. So I got Sam Hartman in the Irish. Me too. Another 2.30 slot on ESPN, Duke against Louisville. It's a ranked matchup, top 25. We love to see it. Yeah. Who hey, you got? It's a great slate. That's why I'm I got too, Duke. Good thing I'll be at home this weekend. Uh, Duke and Louisville. Uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think if uh, Riley Leonard plays, I got Duke. But Louisville also has a really good offense. But I think the adjustment that Mike Oko does as a one, arguably one of the best defensive coordinators in the game and defensive coaches – very underrated. Like Duke better pay him well because I think he will be leaving there in mm-hmm. a couple of years. Like he's doing yeah. a fantastic job right now. Really um, good. But I, I yeah, I have a I have Duke. I think I think they'll they'll get it done. I think the defense will step up and make some plays. But uh this is a big time game in the ACC. I mean, Duke just had their first conference loss. Um this is a, yeah, their first I think it's their first loss. Their first conference loss, and it was to Notre Dame's or to Florida State, uh first conference loss. So in uh Louisville both of these teams are right in the mix for, you know, that second spot to play in the ACC championship mm-hmm. game. So, yeah, you know, it'll be it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, Telling. really big game. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got the Blue Devils, though. Last but not least on the 230 slot, we've got ABC hosting the BYU at Texas game. Mm-hmm. I will be there in my burn orange, loud and proud. Um, I think that we are in for a show with Malik Murphy. Um, I think he'll play a solid game. Mm-hmm. I think that he is going to show us his um, strengths. And I also think the biggest part of our game will be our defense and our run game. We have to run the ball. We have to come out strong. We've got to make their defense tired. And I think that we can do that. Um, and we, ha- we have a talented defense. And again, we talked about it earlier. Um, we struggled this, this past week. But we've seen what we can do, and I believe it'll be we'll be able to fix our mistakes. And so, biggest thing: run, run, run. I've got the horns, and I hope by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, uh, this will be an interesting game to see. There, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of unknown. There's gonna be a lot of you know stuff that Texas can be, have answered. Obviously, you're kind of getting to look at your future if Quinn decides to declare this year and leave. Um, you're gonna have. We're not thinking about that right now. I know. I'm just, you know, I'm talking. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. The analyst, Malik. Me, I'm like (laughs) Malik uh, Murphy. uh, Has all the tools. Six five, prototypical, strong arm. Um, I don't know how athletic he is. I'm assuming he's athletic, but I haven't seen him. Look at that build. But he should be athletic. But this is gonna be an interesting game. Um, due the fact that uh, we've kind of seen how Sarkeesian will have lapses in his play calling throughout the course of a game. Now he's going to have to adjust for a young QB. Are they going to rely on their run game more? They have very capable backs. That's another thing. They also have very capable receivers. So there's going to be a lot of weapons to help him out in this game. Now it's just kind of Sarkeesian, you know, making a nice game plan for Malik against BYU. Mm -hmm. Now the only issue is from the fan base perspective, unless you're a real fan like Kat and her family, a lot of people, if Malik plays bad or has a struggle or misses a deep ball or something, there's going to be all the arch chance. That is what separates like that's fans. Gonna, that, there's going to be that type of stuff in the air. Like, it just is. Like, that's kind of what comes with having a That's what high, tells me you don't watch football. I know, but that's what comes with having a high And I know, I know. I mean, they were saying the Heard same thing about, they were today. saying that about Dylan and Jackson Arnold. Like, they were just like, oh, Dylan, like, I'm like, relax. Like, you, you don't do, you don't just throw a freshman in there. It's well, also the ready. media too. I mean, people aren't have not given Malik enough attention when it comes to being in the quarterback room. When people talk about other quarterbacks at Texas other than Quinn, they talk about Arch. I mean, hell, we already see Arch Manning 
um, t-shirts and jerseys. And it's like, whoa, like we still, we're still maybe a couple years away from that. Well, which I, which I really like too about Malik is he's definitely got that resiliency. Like he, he, mm-hmm. uh, saw Quinn transfer in. He also saw them recruit Arch and, and he stayed. stayed, battled it out, secured that backup role. And now he's getting his opportunity. I and, love him. So and, much I, and, I, and I hope, and I hope for uh, his sake that he balls out and uh, kind of shuts up shuts up the naysayers about Me what it's going to look like. Too. So, and I think that everyone needs to give him grace, too, because he's coming in in the middle, you know, later half of the season. In a, in a big spot, in too. A big like, spot. Y'all, y'all can easily make the playoffs. We can't. We, we don't have time for game mistakes. We don't have time for losses right now. If we're eyes on the prize, I don't want to have to rely on so-and-so losing for us to get in the championship game. We have to control our own destiny and win out. That's a lot of pressure. You don't have those non-conference games to get ready for. Not mm-hmm. that we had all three easy non-conference games, but sometimes that helps those freshmen get out there and that have never played before, um, you know, get their jitters out. Malik has been at Texas it's his second year there, um, and he hasn't played in a game with this type of wait he hasn't started a game he's only come in when we've been doing really well and he gets a few snaps and he's playing with second string third string guys so i think that he has a big um you know platform this weekend and i believe in him so so much and i really really hope that everyone will give him time to kind of get the jitters out and we might see some mistakes but what's great is that we have a team that is um good enough to help lift us off of that so um I really, really hope that uh, no one decides to bring out some chance this weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, th- I, yeah, I got the horns. Um, I think y'all handle them. I think uh, BYU will be well coached and stuff. But I think, I think the only thing that makes a game closer than what you would like is due to the fact that it's Malik's first start. Yeah, and there's going to yeah. be some lapses there. But I think y'all just have. I was telling Carlos, I was like, bro, y'all just have way more athletes. I just never been a fan of BYU, and y'all just have way more athletes than them. And if I'm Sarkeesian. It's I'm like, look, we have we're just better. So I'm gonna just make sure Xavier, Adane, uh, uh, Jordan Whittington, uh, Sanders, all these guys, Brooks. I, I'm making sure I'm putting them in positions to be highly productive with the football. And I also think the defense will, will be fine. Like I was telling you, like Houston might be worse than BYU, but Houston has better athletes than BYU. They have Texas yeah. kids. In the day, we can't get ahead of ourselves yeah. though and get too relaxed exactly. and comfortable in that in those facts either. So, um, going into the night games, uh, oh, I didn't even talk about the two thirty big time game, um, number eight versus number thirteen. You have Oregon going to Utah. Mm. This is where game day is actually going. Um, this, and this and is, high, this is high a noon. playoff game. Fox noon. This is this is a playoff game for the, all the people that were saying like. Yes, it's not the expanded playoff yet, but this is like why people are like, you don't need this it. This is the type this of This is the up. argument to counter the why you don't mm-hmm. need it. This is a playoff game. You have Oregon versus Utah, a, a Pac-12 championship elimination type of game and also a national playoff yeah. c- elimination game right here. It's going to be a huge game for both programs. Um, can't wait for this one. Honestly, like this slate is looking fantastic this weekend. And uh, Oregon versus Utah. Uh, Utah starting to show uh, that they don't need Cam Rising. They've obviously been winning all year without him. Um, I don't really, I don't expect him to play. Uh, I think they announced that he is not going to play the rest of the season. He's coming back next year. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is insane. At like what age? <laughs> Which is insane. He's going to be like 26. He, I think in my age. He's like no. 25. Yeah, I know. But he did start at Texas. This is how we know how old he is. Yeah. He's been around for a long time. But shout out to him. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, shout out to him. But he's going to play. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, and or Utah starting to show that they can score the football. But then again, it was also in USC. So I don't really know how like good that offense really is. So my gut. I'm going to go with the Ducks. I think they're better. I think that, I mean, they all, they should have beat Washington, in my opinion. Like, they played better. They just kind of sold. So, I, I'm going to go with Oregon in this against the Utah. But I do think this I'm, is going to be a tough game. Playing in Utah, playing in Salt Lake City, good defense. going to be a physical game. But Oregon matches up well with them. And I also think Oregon has better athletes. That's why I'm going to go with the Ducks. Shoot, I'm so conflicted. I think I'm going to lean towards the Ducks. But it's I want Utah to win so bad. I think it'd be really uh, – it's possible. So yeah, you look, you look, like you like on the low, not like them. More, I enjoy, but you, like, you kind of, I enjoy, I've them. enjoyed watching them since they like low key lost the game, like barely against Ohio state in that Rose bowl game a few years ago. That mm. was such a great, one of the greatest bowl games in oh our gosh, time. It was so good. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the, the Utah Utes. The w- How do you say it? Utes. Yeah, Utes. 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 Yeah. Whatever the heck that means, or what? I don't even know what is that. Doesn't matter. It's like a time for that. Yeah. Um, going into the night's uh, time slot, so we've got seven o'clock or six o'clock on ESPN Tennessee at Kentucky. This honestly is a not a match a matchup. I mean, a top twenty-five matchup. But it, I think it'll still be a really good game. For sure. I think Tennessee will get it done though after uh, this past week. Yeah, I think Tennessee, they mean they played up against Alabama. They just haven't been playing good on the road. Well, yeah, could they be that's too the, tired and it'd be a little bit? Yeah, that, um, yeah, that's just the issue. They just haven't been playing good on the road. So, like, for me, I'm like, mm. Maybe it's the. I don't know. I really don't know. I think Tennessee's better, but I think uh, this will be a game where Mark Stoops will will come correct on defense. I, I got Kentucky with the upset. Cam can't go against Stoops. No, I just got. I just think Kentucky has been losing some games that they shouldn't. They didn't think they were going to lose, and I think they'll put. I think they'll put a good performance on. But rocky top. Who knows? Like this is a game. If I was betting, I would stay away from. I have no idea to be honest. But I'm going to go. With That's Kentucky. why you don't bet. Um. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the volunteers just because Josh Heupel I think was frustrated by the loss last week. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna coach um, them well during the week in practice. And I I, I hear what you're saying with them mm-hmm. being on the road, um, but they've got another road game. I don't see them losing back to back. Yeah. Um, at six thirty on NBC, we have the Buckeyes playing against Wisconsin, and honestly, this will be a good game as well. But mm. I think. Up, upset alert right here. I'm not saying that Wisconsin is good, better than them or will upset them, but this is a game. You just beat Penn State. Yeah, you handled them at home, but yeah, Wisconsin. It's hard to play in Madison, especially at night. They're going to be doing that jump around in the fourth quarter. Like, it's going to be loud. Um, Ohio State, they've shown that they just start slow, and Wisconsin is the team that is capable of shorting shorting this game. Obviously, Ohio State has a great defense, but Wisconsin has one of the best running backs in college football. And true, they could just run the ball to keep it away from Ohio State. And I personally think that Wisconsin could upset them there. I just don't think they will. They don't have the team to. But don't be surprised. You turn this on, you're like, oh, this is pretty close. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah, I got Ohio State. Uh, the, no, I got the Buckeyes in this, though. Yeah, win. but don't be surprised if but there is an alert. upset. Upset alert. Ding, ding. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm a, same thing. Um. Going to the 
other 6.30 time slot on ABC, UCLA versus the Buffaloes of Deion Sanders. Um, They were off this past week. Um, I did see a stat that they rank 130th um, out of 130 teams in an average of yards allowed against them. Colorado? Colorado. Godly. Like 432 yards a game or something allowed against them. Um, And we know what UCLA can do on offense, Mm -hmm. especially with their quarterback. Um, I don't want this to be ugly because, man, I'm really rooting for Dion, and I think what he's done so far. Give me another run, baby. Let's go. 5-2. Going to get another one in. 6-2. And only (laughs) one out. Let's go. Sorry, guys. I know this is college football, but, man, my uh, hometown team of the Rangers are – just we're still uh, about four and a half of, innings yeah, away, but and we are playing in, against an explosive Astros yeah, team. Yeah, one inning at a time. Ooh, ton of time, but man, okay, um, yeah. So I dang, um, this is a night game, and I think that it can get rowdy, and you never know what celebrities gonna be on the sideline at this game. Yeah, this <laughs> is what dope. Like, brings, this is I think it's a good night, one. Nightcaps. I mean, I think, I think, hey, I that's think, why I'm gonna be on my monitors. Just, um, no, you're not. We're gonna watch this game together because I'm gonna be back from DKR. YouTube TV Ooh. for sure. Um, dare I say that Colorado can do it, but probably won't. Yeah, I, I actually have them winning low key. Okay. I think Colorado is gonna bounce back. They had a bye week. I think they're able to get their Travis Hunter should be more healthy as well. So him giving up those explosive plays on defense, I think will be limited. He'll be more healthy, more rested. Um, think Shador will be rested. I think they'll be able to clean up some things. They are well coached. Like, don't get it wrong. And everything we're seeing from Colorado after is a plus. Vegas had them at two and a half. They already have four wins. They should have five. They shouldn't mm-hmm. have lost Stanford. Like, this is beyond. Yeah. They blew that game. But I think since they blew that game, Dion is the type of coach that I think he's going to have them ready to play. Chip Kelly is has really has really a very physical team. I think – Colorado will since them being at home and they learned from that Oregon game where they kind of got bullied on the line of scrimmage. That is my issue. If they don't protect, they have to be able to protect Shador and Shador has to be able to throw the ball away. I think with these long developing pass concepts that Colorado runs, I think that's also due to the fact that he kind of holds onto the ball long. They need to get some more quick game, three strip drop, get the ball out quick because UCLA has two of the top five DNs in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, on their team, mm-hmm. so that they can get after the they can get after the quarterback. Um, but last but not least, uh, Carlos likes to do like a little uh, sleeper game, but I actually found one since he's not available this week. We have UNLV at Fresno State. Both teams are six and one. We were talking about the Mountain West earlier. Really good, probably the best Group of Five conference this year. Yeah, and, uh, I actually uh, mentioned CJ because you know he's from Vegas. I mentioned him in a tweet earlier today. Uh, UNLV football is 6-1 and eligible for the first time since 2013. That's awesome. They also received a number 25 vote in this week's AP poll. So hometown hometown, uh, balling out, um, playing against a good Fresno State team. So if you're into college football and just love it, this is definitely another game you should keep your your eyes out for. Two two really good teams. So Yeah. yeah. You love to see teams that are really – you know, getting things done and, and putting themselves on the map. And obviously it's not a, 
program you have never heard of, but being able to get out there and already establish that bowl game, mm -hmm. they get to, that's already a big win. And yeah, some exactly. of these teams like are trying to struggle for that in week 12, 13. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch. I'm excited. And you always like those games that people, you know, there's always those few games that you, you know, don't see on the, let's say like a graphic, like we're looking at of the mm. top games that end up being great matchups. So that will be a fun one to watch. Yeah, and I'm really excited for this week really of football. Unfortunately, I will miss a few, but that's the cost of being a diehard uh, yeah, at the University this, this of would be Texas. Game for me to go to this week. <laughs> it would be, um, but be for me, I like my team yeah, more. I understand. And that's what highlights are for. And that's also why not sponsored you should have youtube tv because you can record literally every college football game yeah, that's no out free there shout out. and watch it anytime no free shout outs but shout out to youtube tv best um streaming platform out there yeah. i can watch any of the games and they also have this great feature where you can uh, do all the key key plays and i can just watch it there so you got a lot of good games i'm excited yeah, to watch it and i can't wait to talk about it next week can we say, yeah, i'll she, be back she'll be doubling up we yeah. might even uh you know you know special appearance if someone wants to join you know yeah. If it's being cat, you know, just chop it up. Yeah. Talk ball. Um S sounds like I might be booted. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it looks like I got some play uh, in that. But uh if uh if you made it this long, I like I'm gonna start including these in every single episode. Uh, right now I'm 29 and 17 with a 60% win percentage on the spreads right now. Hey, you need a bookie, <laughs> let's get it. So chips and slips, my marquee picks this week. I have <laughs> USC minus eleven. <laughs> Smash that. Caleb's going to play. Smash that. We got Florida plus 14 and a half. That's a lot of points for Georgia without Brock Bowers. He's on, they're going to cover. I got faith in Graham Mertz, who actually leads the culture ball and completion percentage, which is nuts at 78%. We also have for the last pick on your parlay, we'll get you paid. I guarantee it. <laughs> we have, drum roll, just kidding. <laughs> we have Oklahoma State. Minus seven and a half against Cincinnati. Cincinnati looks like they fell off a cliff. Oklahoma State is rolling right now, running the ball extremely well. They just blew out West Virginia on the road. I like West, I like Oklahoma State right now. I got them as my lock. And these, this is your three-play slip. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe. If you want more slips, follow Opinionated Sports on Instagram and TikTok. I'll be posting more long-form for uh, betting content on those. So. If you want to, like, you know, tail uh, price picks, whenever there's more on the board, we'll be posting those as well. Um, but, hey, get them free while you can because once this thing gets rolling, we're going to have to pit that paywall up. So, um, but, yeah, without that being said, uh, that's another episode of 54 Yards. Uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, shout out to Kat as well. She kills it as always. Um, but, yeah, until the next episode, see you guys later. See you guys next week. And uh, my Rangers are up 8-2. In Houston, top of the fourth, and I hope that on this time next week, mm -hmm. I can be uh, talking about uh, another series, mm -hmm. but we still got a ways to go. Shout out to Carlos. Thanks for letting me take your seat. I'll keep it warm for you. Mm -hmm. Keep cheering on our Rangers, and uh, hook them. Boomer. I just left the studio, it's 24 songs I've been on my street